0: Hello and welcome, dear friends. I am Nicole Beecham, and this is the Energetic Pathway Podcast Journey Back to Yourself. I invite you to join me each week as we explore stories, insights, and resources through the lens of vulnerability and authenticity with a little bit of humor along the way. Let's dive into today's topic together. Good morning, everyone. In the last episode, we were talking about self honoring and how it's key to honor your needs, your feelings, your beliefs, and your desires. And we talked a little bit about what that looks like and how you can take a step forward in your own self-honoring process. The importance of pausing long enough to ask yourself how you're feeling and what you need was also discussed. And then we also talked a little bit about what that looked like in my life. But I wanted to make sure that Brock and I chatted more about this because it's such an important topic and I know we both have some deep experiences in this and we're still learning a lot ourselves as we all do as we grow so we're going to share a bit more about our journeys to self-honoring Brock good morning
1: yeah good morning how are you I'm good I am you know I'm excited I think This topic is one that can be a little confusing. Like, what does it actually look to self-honor? What makes it hard to self-honor? Like, right? Like, I think I'm excited for what we have to share with everybody today. I think it's going to be pretty helpful.
0: Yeah, I definitely hope so. So what does self-honoring mean for you, Brock?
1: Um, You know, I think, like, self-honoring is, um, like, just this vocabulary. I think a lot of people might understand the concept but just call it something different like for a lot of time in my life I've just called it just like rest like and I think self-honoring is is kind of whenever it's really whenever you slow down and you read what's going on with yourself right and so for me what does it look like it's uh, self-honoring is like those moments that I can put myself in a situation where I can actually reflect on myself and I can actually like feel what my body needs and what my mind needs, what my soul needs. Like, and so I think a lot of time for me, like there's, there's something just so pure about being in nature, like connecting to like the outdoors in a way that is just kind of so raw and like kind of natural, I guess. I mean, obviously nature, natural, but you know what I mean? Like, there's something different about sitting in front of a TV and relaxing and kind of sitting on a porch and drinking a cup of coffee and just being able to slow yourself down and really reflect. Right.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's so easy for us to forget to slow down, especially in the fast paced society that we live in and where we're kind of conditioned to work hard, work hard, work hard and always be going and moving and being productive. And so this is the same for me. It's slowing down enough to ask for what I need and figuring out what I need half the time. So it's not always just asking for what I need. It's getting down into my heart and to the core of my being and trying to like gauge like, what do I really need right now? And sometimes that process can be frustrating because the answer may not come immediately and we are conditioned and have a desire for immediate responses.
1: Yeah. What does it look like to even like hear that? Right. Like, cause I know it's easy to to have these feelings or urges or kind of like go with something, but it it's different with kind of like when you when you really feel and like feel connected to yourself, like Maybe talk about that difference, like like what does it actually feel like when you actually like hit that self-honoring space?
0: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because we're actually going to dive into a little bit more of that and talking about grounding in our nervous system in future episodes. Because for me, since I was so out of my body and so dysregulated as a form of survival, as a form of coping when I was a kid, um, literally in order to survive my environment, When I started to slow down at the beginning, it was fucking terrifying. Like, I just remember, like, getting into my body and being afraid, like, anxiety would pick up. um, Fears, like, it was hard to be by myself and be alone. And so I found it insanely difficult at first to self-honor, because every time I got slow enough to start trying to fill into what I truly needed and being able to try to get those needs met I was so dysregulated so now it's like it's so key I mean I spent this morning I got up at 5 30 which is way too early for me in life but it was that important to be able to have some quiet morning time before we recorded so I just made coffee so similar to what you're saying and went and sat on my patio and got quiet got still and just breathe like I think the breath is so important it, it really is our life force. And there was a time when even just focusing on my breath would cause anxiety. And so I, I say that to say it, it's, it's a process. It takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of nurturing yourself and guiding yourself and honoring yourself as well in that process. But now it's just so much peace and calm and clarity. And literally, it's like an energetic feeling in my body that everything's okay, that I'm safe, that I'm, I'm with, with myself, like in that present moment, I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not thinking about the future. There's no fear or uncertainty. It's just a relaxing into being in my own body and being with myself. And it's so comforting.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think being able to hear The outcome of whenever you get to that space where self-honoring is is like actually helpful and is actually freeing. I I wonder, like before before that time, right, like the early days of you trying to do this, the the first time that you sit out with your cup of coffee. Right. What was that experience like?
0: It was terrifying. It did not look like me sitting out with a cup of coffee, Um, it looked like, and I remember this so vividly because this was a season of my life right at the beginning of my healing journey. It literally looked like turning on a song that was comforting to me and getting in my hammock with a weighted blanket and crying. Like it was not peaceful at first. It was very, very much a coming back into my body. And this is why I think the dark night of the soul Is so important, but it's also so terrifying. And so, whenever you first come back into your body, it's scary because you've been away from it for so long for a reason. And a lot of that tends to be trauma responses, or you have so many feelings that you haven't processed, that haven't moved through your body, that you haven't dealt with. And so, when you slow down, those things start to come in. But it's remaining with that process. It's it's like loving yourself so unconditionally. It's like you know what. I may have to go sit in this hammock every day for the next three years for 10 minutes at a time just to start letting my body fill the things it needs to fill. And giving yourself all the time in the world and accepting where you're at, it's so important because ironically enough, it speeds it up. Like it wasn't three years. It wasn't two years for me. It was a few months. And yeah, they were really, really hard months, months that I would rather not relive but it was the best decision I've ever made. It was the hardest work I've ever done. And it has freed me.
1: Yeah. Like the beginning is tough. It's so tough. And sometimes it's like so hard that it is easier to just not. Right. Like that I think is why a lot of people don't start this journey is you either are too afraid or you convince yourself because it's hard that you don't need it. Right. Like I know a lot of people that, would really scoff at this idea of needing time to themselves to reflect needing time for themselves to cry in a hammock right like a lot of the men i know especially would never touch some some time like that in their life like what what would you say to the skeptic like the the person that doesn't value like this self-honoring time how would you encourage them to view this
0: yeah, I would say if you're listening to this podcast if and you're honest with yourself that you realize there are things in your life that you don't love the way that it is. There may be patterns that are repeating or situations that keep coming up or there's some part of you that's in pain or that's hurting and this is the only way to the other side. Like I believe that very deeply at this point. Like you have to go through the hard, you have to let yourself feel and learn to accept yourself and accept your feelings and love yourself. And if you find that you're seeking those things outside of yourself, then that's even more of a reason that you need to do it. So I would just say it's worth it. You're worth it. Every everyone around you will benefit from you loving yourself better and honoring yourself better. And so a lot of times I think the disconnect is people do not want to go into this hard work or they don't want to make time for themselves or they may think it's selfish but all of that is not true. This is the best thing you can do for you and everyone around you.
1: Yeah, I think that last part that you touched on right there, like the feeling it gets selfish or it won't work is definitely where I landed for a long time. Um, it was it's like uh, right after like I had like we had our first child. Um, life got a lot more busy. Uh, A lot more structured for sure, but just more full. Like um, there was always something to do and wanting to help my wife and like take burdens off of her. Like my responsibilities just grew. And so having time alone, especially away from them, um, I would feel really guilty, feel really guilty Um, because it's like well, she needs a rest. Well, she needs to be able to have a shower. Well, she needs to be able to like go to sleep because her body has literally undergone so much trauma from a childbirth, right? Like, and all of these lies led me to not take care of myself. And so then over time, right, month after month of not pouring into myself, then I was that much less capacity for them. I was that much less present. I was that much less energized. Um, and yeah, it's it's this lie of like, hey, if, if I just keep on pushing, it's going to be the best for everybody, it could be strong for everybody, I could be capable for everybody. And like, that's just not how it works, right? Like, we are finite beings, and we are beings that get really tired really easily. And taking the time to understand Or brokenness and understand, like, hey, like, I do need help. Like, that's a huge step, but that is such a necessary step. And like healthy mental health, but also just a healthy spiritual journey, right? Like, it's just so different, so, so different to see yourself as valuable and worth pouring into than yourself as a tool for other people to use.
0: Yeah. And I love that you exactly what you're just saying at the end there about being a tool for other people to use and like you calling it a lie because that's what it is. Like it is completely a lie that we have to put other people first at all times. Or if we just give and give and give and give, eventually one day it'll be enough. And like that's just not how it works. And I think that that's one of the things that makes it hard to honor yourselves is like if we're trying to put other people first, if we're worrying about the views of others. And then if we have all those scripts from our society and from our childhood around, you know, not being selfish or not being lazy, I think there's a lot of laziness that, that comes up as well. It's like, well, if you're resting, if you're taking time for yourself, you're being selfish, you could be doing something else and you're being lazy. And you name that it's those are lies. Those are complete lies that are designed to keep us in the hamster wheel. And prevents us from living our truth, from honoring who we are and to being able to give to others what we truly desire to give to them, again, out of abundance and not out of like scarcity, but being able to give in a way where we're honoring ourselves and therefore we're honoring other people out of love.
1: Yeah, I love that. I I think it's so important to remember that. I think it's so important to like view the importance of this view the importance of doing this for yourself but i think right like i'll pose this to you okay let's say i've bought in let's say i I see myself as valuable and i regress right and i skip that time and i don't take time for myself and i allow myself to be used again and now now there's shame because i know what i should be doing and i'm not and so like then i just beat myself up right like How, like, what happens when you see yourself regressing back? Like, what, like, how do you care for yourself whenever you maybe stop caring for yourself?
0: Yeah, that happens all the time. I just think because of our human nature. And so the first thing you named it is try not to go to shame. And I know that's easier said than done. Like, it's very quick and easy for us to go to shame. But it's instead just recognizing again with that self-compassionate love that you would have towards a friend. And I would like to ask myself things like, okay, if Brock was telling me this, what would I tell him? Well, what I would tell Brock is, hey, you're fine. You're human. You mess up. We're all learning. We're all growing and we're all on our own journey. And so I would, I would tell you as my friend Brock, it's okay. Just slowly start again. Don't beat yourself up. Love yourself. Forgive yourself because you're human and you're going to mess up and you're going to default into old patterns. And not only is that okay, but love that, honor that, love that little part of you or that, that past part of you that had to pick up those patterns to begin with. And so the same for me, I would tell myself, patience, gentleness, I'm still learning. Oh, I notice I'm aware that I'm back into old patterns and scripts and I'm not honoring myself. Okay. What can I do today right now to step back into that self-honoring routine? So it's just loving yourself through it.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's a difference whenever, like in my life, self honoring is an exception to the norm, or is the norm, right, that has exceptions to it. And I think, like, if you're on this journey, and and you're not perfect, right, and you're, and you're finding that it's not as often as you'd want, right, or it's, it's not as effective as you want, or it's, like you put all of these expectations around time and and how you should feel and how you should be progressing and this is taking too long and it's too hard like i think the thing that i would just voice is it's powerful for you to even be trying like it's important for you to even be trying and if the moments of weakness or the moments of lapsing become the exception that alone is showing you man i I am somewhere I was not at the beginning of this. And that is so incredibly powerful. It's it's all you need. Right. And and a lot of times that's all we can actually ask for is just to be in the journey. Right. Like we're not going to be in this perfect rhythm. Humans are not great at discipline, like very not great at discipline, but. Discipline is something you can practice, right? And that's something that you can always get better at. And so just leaning into it, just giving yourself patience and I think expecting it to be hard, but hard things are usually really good things too. Yeah. So how do we get started? How do we get started, Nicole?
0: Yeah, I think it's just slowly one day at a time. It's, it's making pauses in your day. And I, I like to call them sacred pauses where you stop and you're like, what can I do to love myself right now? Like what is needed? And then what can I do to love myself? And then after, after you know what you need, which may take some time to get to, and after you know what resources are out there to actually honor yourself, that feels good in that moment, then you actually have to take the action. And that's the part that we can get stuck in is like sometimes we may know what we need and we may know what resources available, but we pause and we decide not to take that action. And so I think it's that, it's just, trying to be still. And at first that may be only two minutes a day, or maybe it's only five minutes a day, but it's practice. So like the more we practice, the more we get used to it, the more we get comfortable with being still and sitting in our needs and sitting in our desires, then we can actually start taking those steps and have longer intervals of self-honoring, longer intervals of self-care, but it's okay to start slow. And I think that's the key is you do not have to dive in. This isn't a black and white thing. You don't go from not self-honoring to self-honoring all day, every day. Like that's an unrealistic expectation. That's not achievable. I think ever, like, I think at some point there's no place that we reach where we're like, man, we're massively self-honoring. Like it's just a process. It's a journey. And it's a reminder. It's going back to it over and over and over again. How can I honor myself in this situation? How can I honor myself in this relationship? How can I honor myself today? So I think what may be helpful, Brock, is if we each share a time that was hard for us to honor ourselves, specifically in the face of another, because when we're in the face of someone who does not accept us honoring ourselves, it can be really hard.
1: Gosh, that's a hard question. Do you want me to go first? (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Fine, fine. Yeah, I think... Like, if I'm honest, the times that stick out around that the most are when the people that I love the most don't, like, even if it's not antagonistically, they they don't want me to honor myself. And it's less because they know that they're not, and it's more because the rhythms that they expect of me require me to not. Like, I can remember growing up, I just needed space sometimes, right, as an angsty teenager, just like life at home. Like I just needed to have my own space. I needed to do my own things. And <clears throat> there was moments where like my parents were not chill with that. Like they really wanted to control what I did or the way I was seen or the extracurriculars I was in. And like still to this day, there's moments of like, as I think back, where they still impact me today and my parents are awesome people love them so much right but even in a great household like there's still things that like little decisions that they forced where patterns of self-honoring for me like were completely off limits because they weren't the norm they weren't the expectation of what my parents wanted for me or the like i wanted to be in theater like I wanted like I was in basketball and soccer and did all these things and like I was asked to have a part in a play and we just couldn't figure it out and my my parents would have loved like right and and today they would be horrified to think like that they were a reason for me to not enter into this space that could have been reflective and introspective and like just different and pushing me kind of in my, out of my comfort zone. But something like that, that would have been like really healing and grounding for me. They just didn't encourage. And it was like, yeah, well, you just can't do it. So sorry, that sucks. That maybe is an odd example, right? But that's one that sticks out of like, ah, well, this thing's too hard. Maybe I shouldn't, right? Like, instead of, hey, this thing is good. Maybe I should sprint towards it, right? Like, I think in everybody's life, their parents have... Both positive and negative, and probably the most positive and the most negative impacts, um, and those times early on carried through and and so then, like later on in life, there's relationships that again, people sometimes antagonistically shut down my space, right? like make fun of the things that you do or bully you for the things that you do. and like there's a long time that I found my rest in music, right? Like I love to. I played the saxophone growing up, but was so relentlessly bullied that I, for 15 years, did not touch a single musical instrument. And now in adulthood, I've found, hey, there's joy in picking up a little ukulele or sitting and singing or singing while I wash the dishes or like just experiencing music and freedom in music. But man, I'll tell you, the minute my wife says anything... It will be two months before I touch another thing of music or sing another thing because of these triggers that have happened in my past, right? That it's so hard to do something that's valuable for me because of the way that I think people perceive it.
0: It is, first off, thank you for sharing, but it is wicked how- Does that make any sense? It does. It does. But it's like, it's wicked to me how the way that you have that experience with music, so do I- and I think that there is a time in my life where it was the same. Like I had so much love for music and it was so important to me and it wasn't received well um, in some situations, even in my family. And so as a result, you know, like there was a time when I wouldn't sing. There's a time that I wouldn't play guitar. And so it's just very interesting to me that we both have that experience and it's all connected back to what may have only been one time in our childhood or two times in our childhood. So I think it's that patience and honoring of ourselves that makes sense. And I think you're also a great example. And I'm glad you said this of even in the best households, we are being raised by humans, which means they're not going to be perfect. And you can have the absolute best intention for your kid. And as a parent, I'm sure this is also relieving for you to know, yeah, in some ways, we're going to mess up our kids unintentionally. And the key, if that happens, when that happens is to be able to be there for them when they need to tell us. So when they get older and they need to be like, Hey, you remember when you did this thing? That shit wrecked me. And it still affects me today and be able to sit there and to hear it and be like, I hear you. I hear what's happening. I hear how that affected you. I am so sorry. That was not my intent. Just to be able to hear that is huge. And I think a lot of people aren't able to hear that yeah
1: they're not cuz the while the while the theater thing is a like lighthearted example right there's others where i've since talked to my parents and we've had that conversation the exact one that you're you're talking about and it has hurt more than it's helped right like at this point in our story it's hurt more than it's helped and I'm glad that I've been given the courage to have those conversations and they've been able to respect me enough to like sit and listen, but then it just causes shame. Right. And so it's like, how do you approach people who you care about that have hurt you in those spaces or have kept you from honoring yourself in different ways without causing them to feel shame about like, Oh, your childhood is completely shit and ruined. And I was an awful parent. Right. Cause that's like, at least in my story, that's not what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's a good point is like, I would even challenge you're not causing them shame. That's their own stuff that they have to work through. And all you can do is honor yourself. And then, yeah, it may take giving them space and it may take giving them space to work through it. And maybe they do and maybe they don't. But I think the key here, if I've learned anything over the last couple of years, the key here is honoring yourself because that's where your freedom comes in and doing it out of love and out of gentleness and we can't control how other people receive it, unfortunately. And sometimes it really does make relationships harder and sometimes things get worse and sometimes they never get better. And sometimes they do.
1: Yeah. And sometimes they do. Nicole, what about you? what What's a, what does that look like for you? Like, who, like what is a, a moment of a person kind of holding you back from wanting yourself?
0: Yeah, this one is a very hard one for me. And like, even as you ask that question, my stomach hurts and I feel like slightly nauseous and there's like pain in my esophagus. And um, part of me has like a little bit of a trauma response of like almost physically feeling like I need to go into the fetal position or to start shaking. So I share that. So people realize like even through the healing journey, that sometimes doesn't get easier. Like sometimes it stays, it stays in your body a little bit, even after you've going through that situation. Um, For me, this looked like uh, towards the middle of my healing journey so far, realizing that every time I got off the phone or was on the phone with my mom or my dad, it was painful. Like I could be having the best day. And if I talked to either of my parents for totally different reasons, it was just hard for me. Like I noticed that it would negatively affect my mood and my self-confidence and my self-esteem. And I just was so deep into the healing journey and in the dark night of the soul part that I just couldn't do that anymore. Like I couldn't have added to me that stress and that pressure and that negativity and those expectations and the role. I think you mentioned a little bit about that. There was a role that I was supposed to play in my family and that I played my entire life growing up. And that role was to sacrifice myself and my needs and not honor myself in order to make sure that I kept the peace between my parents and was there for both of my parents. And it was a double triangulation situation. And so I ended up um, telling my mom, like, I need a break. Like, I, I can't talk to you for a while. Like, I need some time to breathe, to heal. And I didn't have a timeline to give her. I couldn't say, I'll be ready to talk to you again in two weeks or two months or six months. I I didn't have that timeline to give her. And it was very hard for me to to say that. And of course, she was very upset. And uh, she did not honor that boundary very well and was calling me and texting me. And I had to block her, which was also very difficult. But the one that was even harder than that for me, and I'm sure I'll share more about that journey later, is... When I told my dad that I had to block my mom, um, they're not married. My parents have been divorced for a long time. He said, basically, he understood. So he fully accepted it. He fully understood. And then the words that came out of his mouth were, I hope you don't do the same for me. And the unfortunate thing is, about a month later, the same thing was happening with my dad on the phone. And I would try to use my voice and I would be shut down. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And so I had to, a month after setting that boundary with my mom, set it with my dad. And I had to tell my dad, like, hey, I love you, but I need space. Like, I can't, I can't talk to you right now. Like, I need time for me to heal, to reflect. He was not happy. Like, that's just an easy way to put that. He did honor it. So unlike my mom, there was no need to put up the boundary, but he honored it out of being angry at me. Like it was like he was going to punish me by not reaching out to me and by not trying. And then when I would reach out to him to like try to engage in conversation, to try to heal things, it was kind of like thrown up in my face that I'm the one who decided to stop talking to him. Like it was just very painful for me. And so I wrote him a letter. And I remember reading this letter to my to my therapist and to a close friend because I just wanted to make sure I was being loving and kind and saying what I needed to say for me, but also still honoring him, honoring him as a person like you. I did not want him to go to shame or guilt, but I needed to say some things. And I had to say some hard things in that, in that letter. And the spirit of the letter was still about reconciliation. Like, I hope we can sit down and talk about this. I hope we can work through this. My deepest desire is to have a very deep relationship with you. And for you to be able to hear these things. He lost his shit. (laughs) Like he completely lost his shit on me and was being emotionally abusive in his response. And I had to keep putting up a boundary of, I would try to answer the phone. I would try to talk to him. I would try to call him. And the little one inside of me was just hoping and praying and to some degree, like begging God, like, please let this man see, please let him come around, please let him see me. And um, to summarize a long story, that was for about two years. And he ended up about a year into it getting very sick and being, he had COVID really bad, and he already had some autoimmune stuff, and he ended up getting um, intubated. And I was in the hospital telling this man goodbye. Like, I thought I was never going to see him again. And this was about six months after me giving him that letter. And we hadn't talked much before. And I'm still like his only child and closest to kin. So they called me, of course, whenever he was in the hospital. And I was there for him during that whole process. Like I was timing him while he was on the ventilator just in case he could hear me. Like I was just very much trying to be there for him in spite of all the pain and the hurt and the heartache and the rejection of me trying to honor myself and asking for what I need from him. And whenever he came off the ventilator and he came to, the nurse was telling him like, your daughter's been calling every day to check on you. She's been there for you. She's been FaceTiming you. He went an entire week of being in the hospital and conscious and talking to other people before he even reached out to me. And when he did, it was so, and not not many people know this story, but it was so weird because that man's response to me was, I heard what you did. And it wasn't like a condescending way of like, he was mad that I was there for him. And that I was like talking to him while he was on the ventilator, that I was being loving and kind in spite of everything. And it made him mad. So it wasn't something that he was able to accept. Like he wasn't able to accept that love and kindness. And my hope was after this situation that he would kind of come around and like he would start being able to like have those conversations with me out of gentleness and loving kindness and, you know, meet me halfway. I just, at some point I just needed him to meet me 25% of the way. Like I was willing to go the 75, 80% if he would just meet me 25 or 20%. And yeah, the sad thing is, is is he, he couldn't and he um, never got to that. So my dad passed away earlier this summer and Brock, I don't even know if you knew that. So holy shit, sorry to drop this bomb on you in the middle of this podcast, but he passed away um, the beginning of June. And so we're in September now. So very much earlier this summer. And the last time I talked to him was on Mother's Day. And it was like a very surface level conversation, but at least he was kind. He wasn't being mean or condescending or anything like that and it's hard because like he knew he was dying like he knew it like he had cleaned out his shop he had labeled all of his tools like every drawer where all of his tools were like he knew he had given stuff back to people and I was the one thing that he didn't choose to or wasn't able to step into mending before he passed away and so yeah, like it's it's such a hard thing because I would do it again. I would choose even with my dad no longer being here. I would choose again to honor myself, to put down those boundaries because it's the best thing I've done for me. Um, it was so healing for me, and I would choose the hard. And I would choose, you know, knowing I was going to lose him two years later, and being able to honor my truth because that was still the right thing to do. And I don't regret that. I really don't. It makes me sad that he couldn't meet me there. It makes me insanely sad that, you know, like once he passed, there was no, there was no hope and reconciliation on this side of reality. Right. But the the cool thing is, and I share this because I know there's a lot of deep shit to drop all at once. But the cool thing is, is not only am I glad that I did that and was it honoring for myself and the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And the most right thing I've ever done. But like, I've, he's, I've had dreams with him in them since his passing. I've have, had experiences where I literally felt like he was sitting outside with me on the patio. So we've had some conversations like between like me and my dad, wherever he is, my assumptions haven't, right. Or wherever, <laughs> wherever he went to, but we've had those, we've had some of that healing and conversation reconciliation. And I felt him asking for forgiveness. And so it's like, it's just still worth it. I just say that to say there was a time I remember very clearly when I decided to stop talking to both of my parents for a while. This was my biggest fear. My biggest fear was that when I wasn't talking to them, one of them would die and we wouldn't have the chance to reconcile, right? And that it would be my fault or there'd be some shame or some guilt around it. And that's not what happened. Like, I, I did what I needed to do, and I said what I needed to say, and I did it in love and in patience and in kindness to honor myself. And even with the worst case scenario happening, I still very much would do that all over again in the same way. And the worst thing that actually could have happened was me staying in those scripts, staying in those roles and not not honoring myself.
1: Dang, Nicole, like... Thank you for sharing that. That is so heavy and so raw. But yeah, like, just like you said, like, if you would have stayed in the scripts, not only would you not be able to be known by yourself, like, they still wouldn't have known you. Like, and you being willing to slow down, to give space, to be present with yourself, like, is honoring them as your parents and is honoring yourself. And, yeah, I'm just so proud of you being able to do that. Like, cause that's tough, and that's right. An example of does your belief, does your does your value for yourself continue even if the world around you is really hard and things are going bad, right? Or is it only do you only care for yourself in good times? Um, man, that's a story of caring for yourself in the worst of times, and and getting on the other end of it and yeah like i think if if anybody's wondering if it, if if you can get through it if you can survive right like i think that's a story i think yours is a story that tells them like yeah like and it's worth it and it's worth it
0: it's so worth it it's so fucking worth it you're worth it i'm worth it it's worth it absolutely and i love how you said me honoring myself also honored them because it did. It may have shined some light in the places where they didn't want to see it, um, where it was hard to see, but it was still honoring to them because it's truth. And sometimes we have to say things in love that are really hard to say.
1: Yeah, like as as we wrap up here, like um, there's a quote that you've talked about. Uh, from Robert too, uh, that I think really ties into like kind of what we were just saying. I wonder if you'd share it with everybody.
0: Yeah, it's, it's mostly just that you're worthy of love. You're worthy of patience. You're worthy of kindness and you're worthy of self-honoring. And may you choose at least one thing today to do for self-honoring. It could be five minutes. It could be two minutes. It could be 30 seconds, anything, but can you choose to get started in that? Or can you choose to go back to it if you've been away from it? Or if you're in the self-honoring journey, great. Who can you who can you help learn to self-honor themselves? Who can you help share your experience with so that others can know, hey, it's okay to do this. Here's an example of where I honored myself and it was safe and it was okay.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think it's easy to think once you have it down right that it's a concept to just keep on going forward and what's the next thing what's the next thing but I think like you said just turning externally and celebrating with people and honoring people like as well like there's this thing of like once we're in a healthy space like allowing ourselves to be a tool for our community in a way that's not losing ourselves or dishonoring ourselves or out of shame or out of expectation or out of performance right but as you start to to master these things, right, doing them communally, like caring for each other communally is so beautiful and so necessary and so yeah, like it's a long journey it's one that you'll never be at the end of, but at some stage in that journey, right, encouraging you to to help bring other people alongside of you right like is something that changes my has changed my life
0: and yeah, and thank you so much for. For sharing that experience with me brock and for showing up as well for everyone here for me for yourself and for anyone else listening
1: yeah so what we got next week to call
0: yeah so next week we're going to start talking about emotional regulation and grounding and just a reminder please do check the show notes out for additional resources And please don't forget to subscribe to the Energetic Pathway podcast on Apple Podcasts, one day on the Google Podcast Store when they decide to let us in, and then also on Spotify. And as always, thank you so much for listening.
1: Thanks, guys.